My name is Paul Riley, also known as Political Paul, and this is The Riley Rant, a weekly podcast where we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. Let's rant. Tuning into the 29th official episode of The Riley Rant. As was noted in the intro, we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. And in my last episode, I gave you my top five takeaways after one year of podcasting. And in that episode, I had a lot of different goals centered on not only creating relevant content that's captivating and relatable to the audience, but also having more guests on the show in 2018, as I felt that those were the rants where I had the best conversations and where the dialogue and the content was sort of enhanced and elevated. And so with those two goals, producing captivating content and having more guests on the show, I'm excited to kick off 2018 rants with a captivating content, which I'm going to try to produce throughout the month of January through a series that I've called The Bold Series, where I seek to document individuals who have taken bold actions, who've made bold moves in their lives so that we all can learn from them. And I think that this is executing on that first goal of producing relatable content, because I feel that many people listening at one point or another are going to be in a, a dynamic where they're going to have to make a bold move. Do I go to the gym to try to transform my body? Do I get rid of those old habits that are keeping me stuck in this unhealthy lifestyle? Should I leave that job to pursue something else? Should I leave my partner or significant other um, to realize that there's more out there for me? I think that at the start of the new year, at the start of 2018, people in their 20s and 30s are having these very conversations and they're thinking about the bold moves that they want to make that are maybe tied into their resolutions or tied into their passion planners, whatever it may be. Everyone's thinking about a bold move in the professional or the personal aspects of their lives. And so I felt that this series would be one way to execute on creating that content. And then throughout the series, I want to also include a number of guests, which is executing on that second goal from my previous episode of having more guests on to share their stories. And so I think that with this overarching topic of bold moves and the different guests that we have lined up for you throughout the month of January, I think this is going to be an exciting start of 2018 for the Riley Rant. And I think that you all are going to enjoy the content as again, it's topics that I think we all talk about after a night out when we're around the table with our friends, when we're talking to colleagues in the break room, when we're visiting friends in different cities. These are the stories that are being told. And so I hope that you all will get something from not only this rant, our 29th rant, but from the Bold series more broadly. Now, if you've been following the Riley rant, you know that I love acronyms. A few episodes ago, I did an episode entitled, Are You Set S-E-T for Your Next Move? Where I gave you the set framework for making decisions. And in this episode, the Bold series is anchored by the Bold acronym. The B in bold stands for breakthrough. Whenever you're thinking about making a bold move, there has to be some sort of catalyst, some sort of epiphany, a sudden realization that compels you to say, you know what, I want to make a change. I don't like where things are, or I know that I can do better or be in a better position. That epiphany, that breakthrough is sort of the start of this bold move. After the breakthrough and you know what it is that you need to fix or resolve, then comes O, organization. How are you going to organize your move and your next steps to get to the goal, to make it a reality, to move from the dream phase to the execution phase? And so organization is going to be a big component of that. How do I set up my timeline for success? After that, you have to L, leverage different perspectives. So you have to trust your gut, listen to yourself. You may have your personal board of directors who helps to guide your decision, whether they're family, friends, or colleagues. You may have God or your, your spiritual walk to help guide your decision-making, but whatever it may be, you're leveraging oftentimes different data points to make your decision. And then D, you then ultimately determine your course of action. And that's what the bold formula is to me. It's the breakthrough, then organizing, after organizing, leveraging others to better understand your plan and to get tips for how to be successful. And then you ultimately, in the end with that D, have to determine and act on the decisions that you're going to make. So really excited about this series, really excited about this rant. 
and really excited that you all decided to tune in to this 29th official episode. So to get us started on this bold series, on this bold 29th rant, I'm so happy to introduce Jalen, who I got to meet through a friend and also some co-workers uh, who did a program called Summer Adventure Management at uh, Harvard, also known as SVMP. This was an amazing week-long immersive program for college students who wanted to get exposure to business school, to case studies, to notable professors. And what was also amazing is the network that came from this program. So Jalen actually met my good friend through the program. And then he also went to school with some coworkers that I had at LinkedIn. And so the web of connections were, were there. And I feel like it was only a matter of time before we crossed paths. And, and seeing all the stuff that he's going to start doing in, in the film and media space, it only made sense for him to join the Riley Rant. So without further ado, it's my pleasure to introduce Jalen Blatt. Jalen, how are you? Good, Paul. Good. Thank you for the introduction. And thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course, of course. And as was noted in the intro, we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. And so I would just love for you to share with us what's been going on in your professional and personal life. Oh, my goodness. Everything. Um, From starting jobs to moving to different cities through having and trying to make impact at a local and hopefully in the future global level, um, I think it's it's definitely taken the whole this whole spectrum. Um, right now, experiencing the end of a transition and starting in a new city in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. uh, and as I say so so easily, uh, definitely had a lot of preparation and work that went into the decision to making that, um, as you would say, bold move. So definitely excited to kind of ping back and forth on um, the makings of how that came to be, um, who I was throughout the process, and what things and tools um, helped best prepare me for the opportunity that I'm currently living out. Definitely. And I'm really excited for the listeners to hear this story. So I guess where we'll start is the Facebook post that I saw on October 17, 2017, uh, where you basically laid the foundation and really explain in depth the desire that you have to, to act on this passion. And you note at the beginning of the Facebook post, If you're not going to read this in full, you can stop after the following line. I want to let you all know that I'm moving to Los Angeles, California on November 3rd, 2017 to pursue film and TV. Wow, I just wrote that. It's happening. And so given that you made a bold move recently, uh, this past November, moving from D.C. to L.A., I felt that it was only right that you start off this series. And I'm really, really excited, again, as I mentioned before, to hear your story. So I think to drive this rant, I'd like to first start by just learning more about you, getting some more background on who you were growing up how you ended up in D.C., and then I want to leverage your Facebook quote, which I really love. You go into depth about your decision-making, your, your mindset, your thinking. I want to leverage that quote and also the bold framework that I described at the top of the episode around breakthrough, organizing, leveraging different points, and then deciding on an action. I want to use that framework to help further flesh out your story, and I'm really confident for those listening that by the end of this, you'll leave with some actionable items that you can take with you as you think about bold moves that you're entertaining, not only in 2018, uh, but in the years to come. So would love to start uh, with your background. And, and again, going back to that Facebook post, I love the first paragraph where you sort of give us an understanding of how you ended up getting to DC. And you note, I'd be lying if I told you that since birth, I've always wanted to be a director or that writing was a burning desire of mine since the age of six. The only truth that has been consistent in my life has been the innate want to help others and more recently impact lives on a local and global scale. In college, I thought pursuing a PhD and becoming a professor was the way. I would have been doing research on the intersectionality of race and gender, mentoring young black youth, and engaging in thoughtful dialogue in the classrooms. I was crushed after getting eight rejection letters, but even then, I still had the desire to create the impact previously detailed. After moving to D.C., battling with depression, adjusting to corporate America, using writing as an outlet, and then visually bringing my writing to life, I decided that film and TV was the best route to channel my personal passions while creating local and global impact. 
So I know there was a lot packed into that paragraph, but we'd love to start there, sort of growing up, where are you from? And, and then let, let's sort of weave in those different points from college to D.C. to corporate America. So let's start with where you're from. Yeah, I can definitely do that for you. There, there was a lot in that um, post. As you're reading it to me, I'm just like, oh, I said all that? <laughs> I did. Um, but yeah, so um, regular dude. I uh, was born in Queens, New York um, for 10 years of my life. I lived there. And then after that, my mom and I moved to the Poconos. And so to fast forward, um, I attended Temple University. It's in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And my, what people don't know, my first major was psychology. And it was psychology because, uh, as you already alluded, I wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't too far into the coursework that I was like, you know, I'm learning things that I already know about. I just didn't know what they were titled or called. Yeah. Um, it didn't help that I wasn't performing as well as I like to. So I switched my major to uh, management information systems. And what year, what year um, was that? My sophomore year. And then for no reason other than the fact that one of my friends was like, yo, well, you're good at communicating. You like to problem solve. You like to work on teams. Like, this is a no-brainer. Uh, and management information systems is evolving every day because technology is evolving every day. So it became something that um, uh, I didn't recognize as I first saw the major. And so the desire to continue to help people was always there. And I started um, tapping into, and this might sound weird, but a desire of like people watching, getting to know people Mm -hmm. at such a level that I can assess what they're doing and and help in any way that I can. And so that's when I stumbled upon um, organizational behavior. Um, so that is something that people can pursue as a, a PhD or doctorate program. Um, so I kind of like leveraged and made my path to do that. So typically in college in the business school that I went to the, the fall semester of your junior year, you should already have, or excuse me, the fall semester of your senior year, you should already have your job lined up for when you graduate. And I purposely didn't have that because in my mind, I was like, I'm going to go to I'm going to get my PhD. Like, what do I need to get a job for? And what people don't know. So for listeners listening, um, you don't need your master's to get a PhD. I didn't know that until I met um, a man named Mark Lamont Hill. He was at a seminar and he was talking about his experience. He told me um, that you don't need your master's to get a PhD. When I heard that, I was like, oh, snap, this is going to be a breeze mm-hmm. because I had I had always been a good networker. Um, what you don't always see when you see those goals is that to even get in the discussion to network your way into a program, you need to have a certain score for them to even see you in. And so at the time, I didn't properly prepare for the GMAT or GRE. And consequently, I didn't get the, the scores I needed to get the acceptance letters that I needed to pursue this dream. So when I wrote I was crushed, I was crushed because not only was I rejected, I was graduating without a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can only imagine how stressful that may be with loans, the pressure to succeed, yeah. um, the desire to not want to go back home and kind of, OK, mom, like you just you just helped me pay for this schooling and I have nothing to show for it other than this piece of paper that's not helping you pay off the loans that we've accrued together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that summer was a tough summer for me, but I learned a lot about myself. I was definitely humble, and I knew that moving forward, I needed to be a bit more strategic about how I went making bold decisions. Um, yeah. No pun intended. And, <laughs> Let's keep, um, keep using that throughout the episode. I want this to be ingrained in people. Bold moves. <laughs> this is the series bold, we're doing. Yeah. And, um, I had a mentor tell me you should do consulting. And her reasoning was for the same reasoning my friend told me you should do MIS. And it was like, you're good at problem solving, you can communicate with others, you're good at working on teams. And at the time, I didn't really know what consulting was. And so um, I did what I knew best. I started with someone that I knew that vaguely did consulting and um, they introduced me to this woman, Helen Morris. um, And I met with her. And as soon as I sat down with her, she told me, I don't know why you're here. And I'm like, in my mind, "Uh, because I need a job, I'm broke. (laughs) And Basically, we had spoken and she asked me, is there anything I can do to help you? And I didn't have an answer. And so she kind of said to me, if anybody ever asks you that, the least you can say to them is, is there anyone that you recommend that I can speak to um, based off of the conversation that we were having? Mm -hmm. And so when I asked her the question, she was like, yes, 
my husband is in consulting. So her husband did all this work um, with Deloitte, PwC, um, BCG, McKinsey. And I'm like, oh, snap, like this guy is like the key. So I spoke to him, kind of told him my story. And he kind of helped prepare me for conversations with future um, recruiters. I was able to speak to a recruiter at Deloitte. Um, I was interviewed. And to make a long story short, I was given a position. And so I moved from um, little old Poconos to Washington, D.C. in January of 2016. And so how was and so you graduated. How was D.C.? And what was that experience like? I know you talk about you're moving to D.C., battling with the depression. Was that depression stemming from the lack of realization of the Ph.D. or other issues that just bubbled up? Yeah. Um, wow, that's a lot to unpack there. So basically, uh, when I moved to D.C. from Philadelphia, this was the first time that I've ever been away from the state of Pennsylvania. So um, while I did know people in D.C. and while I wasn't too far from home, um, starting in a new city is difficult for a lot of reasons. And for me personally, it was difficult because I didn't prioritize building a community. So I graduated in, in 2015. And from that point until I moved, I had been working to figure out how I was going to get that job or, or whatever I needed in life. And I I neglected a lot of the things that I found very important to me today, which is relationships, friendships, mm-hmm. having a community, like knowing that things exist outside of your professional life. And these aren't things that were typically um, taught in school because it's, oh, you get a degree, you need to get a job. And so that was my focus. So as I did not prioritize um, my community, cool, I was busy at work. But the, the nature of what I do is project-based. So like when I wasn't working on projects, I had a lot of time to think. Um, so as I had that time, I realized like, oh, you're not good because you still haven't come to terms with your rejections. You still haven't come to terms yeah. with um, the lack of community that you have. You haven't come to terms with so much in your life. And it's now that you're dealing with it all at the same time. Um, and I found myself not like waking up the way I need to, like getting stuck in bed, not eating or like not engaging with people the way that I typically do. Uh, and I didn't have the tools to battle that depression at the time, nor did I have the, the language to call it what it was at the time. Yeah. Um, and so it was very difficult, um, but it was a process that was definitely needed. People ask, oh, how are you today? Um, and I let them know that every day is a, is a battle. It's a daily battle, but I definitely now feel like I have the tools uh, and the language to call it what, it what it is and to be transparent with myself. And if I did not go through that experience, I know that I wouldn't be in Los Angeles today. I think that that experience of depression is the catalyst to the whole story of my move, the bold move. Really, I would love to hear more about that, the, the, the move. So you're in D.C., you're in corporate America. How is D.C.? And, and then... We'll cover this more later in detail with the bold move, but how did that transfer into a move to LA and those experiences? Yeah, so D- yeah, DC is an incredible city um, for young professionals. Um, I liked it for what it was. Um, people will say, "Oh, it's bougie." Like, there's some of that there, but um, some of that it's part for the course. Um, you're in a city with a lot of millennials who have just graduated and are extremely intelligent and doing what they need to do. Brunch is a is a holiday. It's a <laughs> weekly a weekly Sunday holiday there, um, and I felt like I was doing well. I, I didn't feel like it was home per se. I felt like it lacked um, an artistic community that I was looking for. Not to say that it didn't exist, mm-hmm. um, but coming from Philadelphia where it was saturated with that, I felt like there was more of a, a I don't want to say struggle, but more of a burden or work to find those spaces in DC. So I didn't find them as, as much as I would have liked to. And I think that sucked away from me as well. It doesn't help that um, there, at the time that I moved, it was winter. So like that affects with me mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we can speak about our um, administration, but I think that's a different podcast. Um, but like all, all these things go into into kind of how I felt. And so as I worked through it, one of the good things that kind of, which is weird, helped me through the process was Pokemon Go. Like it got me, I don't know if anybody remembers that, but it got me like out of the house. I was being active. It was sunny when Pokemon Go was launched. And um, from there, I kind of like wrote, I wrote a piece about my depression um, and I posted that on Facebook 
late August of 2016. Um, and I posted it for myself as a way as uh, cathartic release. And I was, people were messaging me, calling me, texting me, Jalen, thank you so much for writing this. And I'm like, oh, I wrote this for myself. Like, what do you mean? And I didn't realize how many other people were experiencing their versions of mental health. So whether it's anxiety, depression, OC, et cetera, mm -hmm. people were experiencing this, but not confident enough to speak about it publicly. And um, I guess I gave in some way, and I don't want to take credit for this at all, but gave them permission to feel how they felt and to explore those um, experiences within themselves. I think it was incredible. I feel like I created a support group for myself because people reached out talking about, um, hey, if you ever need like anybody to talk to in the future, like you can call me. And these are people I don't speak to regularly. So that to me was eye-opening about how much writing can really, writing and experience can impact people. Yeah. Uh, and when I realized that, I was like, Jay, like, you should write some more. Um, so that writing turned into funny stories. And then I hit this wall where I'm like, you know what? People aren't really reading these because like people don't read anymore. Um, and I'm like, yo, do videos, like do videos and people will watch it. So I did two videos, but those videos came after, um, I think one of the tweets that you saw me tweet, which, which was the Oscars. Mm -hmm. So as I'm playing through this idea, I'm like, you know what? Like you might want to be doing writing full time. You might want to do filmmaking full time. And it was just an idea. Um, so as a joke, I kind of wrote myself a few letters about how I was going to achieve this. And I had this timeline that, okay, by October, 2018, like you're gonna move to LA. And like God's grace has helped me get here in 2017, now it's 2018. But um, everything, everything kind of started from there. Once I realized how powerful writing was and how I wanted to help people. Me wanting to help people has never changed. And so if I can do that on a level in which I can talk about real life experiences that everyone goes through, why not do that? And so that's the decision I made for myself in late 2016. And I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing because when you were talking about in your post, you were still in the beginning talking about how you had gone back and forth on whether or not you were going to post about your big move to LA and share with you all. But you sort of decided to share as a testament of your faith and hard work. And I really love that you continue to push out content. As I was doing some research on all that you've done, going back to the mental health and depression and anxiety, things that people battle with, I love that you moved beyond the post that was for you that inspired others. And really, as of about three months ago, really pushed out a documentary or a short documentary entitled Let's Talk About It, a short documentary discussing mental health in the Black community. So it's amazing to even see those inflection points between you having this idea to share your story and then really acting on it and continuing to share in more ways that people can relate, as you're saying people weren't reading. So maybe the video will be able to capture people's attention and let them take something from the story. So it was really cool to see that thread. Uh, but as you were talking, it seemed like you were getting closer to that, that B in the bold framework, the breakthrough. So we really love to, I know you were about to touch on that, just get into the breakthrough. And to guide it, what was interesting is in your post, you talked about how in December of 2016, you made some huge promises to yourself. And then again, on Oscar night, another specific declaration, and you shared a couple of photos and tweets. And you said you shared them because you wanted to hold yourself accountable and to show the power of claiming and speaking things into existence and to show that you worked for what you said you were going to do. So that's interesting because that post refers to December 2016 when you started to make promises to yourself. But then the post where you basically say, the tweet I should say, when you basically say, if Moonlight Euro steps the Academy's Reindeer Games and wins Best Picture tonight, I'm moving to LA this year. And so what's fascinating is that tweet was in February of 2017, but you had talked about how you were thinking about and making promises to yourself in December of 2016. When did this breakthrough sort of begin to happen for you as you begin to realize you enjoyed writing and you wanted to turn that into video and things of that sort? I would say between um, December of 2016 and January of 2017, I think uh, what's important when making bold choices, bold moves, bold decisions is holding yourself accountable, right? So it's very easy to say that you want to do something but not give yourself a time off. So like, cool, I want to lose X amount of weight. Okay, what year? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I'm very good at being 
lazy with myself. So I'm like, Jalen, like, you can't keep playing these games. Like, oh, you want to do this work? Like, all right, let's talk about it. Like, what's the time box? When do you want to move? Like, when do you want to see this happen? And so if I were to give some arbitrary year, like 2021 or whatever the case was, like when that time came, I probably would have pushed that again. So I needed to be firm with myself. So whenever you're making a, a bold decision, like you have to make sure, okay, in what time frame am I going to like make this actionable? Like it needs to be real because if there's no deadline, then I'm not going to work toward it. I'm just going to keep putting it off. Yeah. And so like, as this happened in my mind, because I had just moved to DC. I'm nervous about moving to LA. Like I didn't know so many people out there. I wasn't where I wanted to be um, uh, in the film space. So like, I was nervous and I wasn't confident. So I needed I needed to kind of hype myself up with an unrealistic goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, to be honest, the tweet that mentioned if Moonlight won, I was going to move to LA, I kind of bet against myself because I don't know if anybody remembers, La La Land was scooping up every single award that season. Yeah. I was so I was so certain. Like you couldn't I would have bet a million dollars. I was so certain that La La Land was going to win best picture. I was so certain that because I was afraid to move, I was like, you know what? Here's 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 the promise I make to myself. If Moonlight wins, so like I'm not gonna think I didn't think it was gonna win. Mm-hmm. I wanted it, I wanted it to win. It's an incredible film. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's by Barry Jenkins. Um, incredible film. If if that movie were to win, I'm gonna move to LA. In my mind, I was like, listen, Jalen, like La La Land is gonna win. And so as I'm watching the Oscars, it gets down to the last category. The the show ran late. It's best picture. Um, the announcers are saying, and the best picture goes to La La Land. So I'm watching it. I'm like, mm, okay, like whatever. Not in the cards for me. Like Jalen. Good job. You bet well. Like now you can push off your dream. And so I really implore people listening, like, don't push your dreams off. Like, be everything should be urgent. Um, even if it's not urgent, because you need to move for urgency. If you don't move for urgency, things will not happen as soon as they need to, especially when sometimes momentum is, is in your favor. So, like, if you have a dream, map it out and then start executing. So for me, I'm watching this thing, I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, as I knew what would happen, La La Land won, I can go about my life and not pursue. Luckily, God, I don't know what, I, I want to say God intervened. God was like, whoa, 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 hold on. <laughs> and so three, and this is unprecedented, three speeches in, three, I'm about to go to bed. I have work the next day, right? It was a Sunday <laughs> night. I have, I, like, I have nothing left to watch. I already know who won. It was La La Land. Like, good night. Mm-hmm. I'm about to go to bed. One of the people on stage says, no, we didn't win. Moonlight won. And I'm like, what? <laughs> And so when I heard that, I was like, oh, Jalen, like, you done did it this time. So that's when the clock started ticking. Like, cool. I, I, and I'm really big on doing what I say I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. If there's any promises you should keep in life, if not to other people, it should be the ones that you make to yourself. And so I, I was like, all right, like, this is the year. And it was so early in 2017 that I didn't have to take it seriously. But I definitely had momentum when the Moonlight had won. So after that, I did two short films. I got a lot of feedback. I learned so much about myself. And then kind of this, this phase of lull because you get back into your regular day-to-day. I didn't have that urgency again because I had all this time. And to be honest, I had no idea how I was going to pull this off, uh, this move to LA, given that I'm kind of contractually bound to the job that I, I, I had slash have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that goes into your, your second point in the acronym of BOLD is organization. Yeah. Um, just like, what, what did I do? What a great question. What did I do? <laughs> um, how much time did I have? So the Oscars were February 27th to 26th of 2017, meaning I had approximately 10 more months to figure out how I was moving to LA. Um, basically, because I was contractually bound, I was like, okay, I can't, I can't exactly quit and I can't exactly transfer. How am I going to pull this off? So to make a long story short in terms of how I had planned to do this was... Um, I learned more about film. I started doing film for my job. I started doing videos for people and I got known as the person that was doing film. And I was going to use that, that case to transfer into an office at my firm that does film. Uh, and that would have served as my like film school. Well, much like the, well, not much like, cause I actually put in more effort and pr- preparation, but I was going to say much like the, the decision to go to get my PhD. I was like, all right, bet this is what I'm going to do. 
And so in July, when I shot the shot and had my portfolio and everything, uh, I couldn't transfer because there were no open reps. And what that means is they couldn't have afforded to bring me on to do the work that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that and that was a letdown because I was like, at that point, well, there was my, my shot. Like, I can't move straight to L.A. I can't quit my job because I'm contractually bound. I would have to owe X amount of money if I were to quit. So I'm just like, wow, like, you, you made a fool out of yourself because you're not about to go to L.A. this year. You said that you're going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in August of 2017, this is like a fairy tale. In August of 2017, I'll make this story short because it's a, it's a story in itself. But basically, I had went to this film festival. And um, actually, I need to do the story justice. I'm sorry. So No, take, take short, all the time you need. Yeah. So my friend Sophia Ballin, she's a reporter um, and journalist in Philadelphia, hits me up. Yo, you need to go to this film festival. Ava DuVernay is going to be there. So I'm like, all right, bet. For those of you who don't know who Ava DuVernay is, she's the director of Selma, 13th, Queen um, Wrinkle in Time, Ab- Queen Sugar, like, know her, know her. And so I was like, all right, bet, I'm there. And so I go up to this event. Um, you need a ticket to attend. I didn't get a ticket. They were sold out. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, I'm just about to slide $100 at the door and we're going to get in. Uh, it wasn't that kind of party. And so we, we show up. Um, we get rejected twice because we're not on the list. And I'm like, yo, I really don't want to leave. And we got kicked out. They're like, yo, you can't be here. And um, I, we wait 45 minutes outside because I had this dumb idea that Ava was going to walk through the front door and I was going to talk to her. Um, spoiler alert, she walked through the back door. And um, basically, I was saying to Sophia, I was like, yo, this sucks. And I was like, if and if if and when I become this big time director, like I'm gonna make sure at every festival I go out to see like who needs to get in because I now know what it feels like to not get into places. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna pay it forward. And so, um, literally ten minutes after I said that, I was ready to leave. I was like, you know what, Sophia, like this was fun. I learned my lesson. Buy tickets in advance. And as I'm leaving, a lady, a woman that Sophia knew, runs out from inside. She saw us standing outside because we were outside for so long. And she goes, not to break up a friendship, but I have one extra ticket. And Sophia's like, give it to Jalen. He needs this. And I'm like, you know what? Like he waited with me. I'm not about to go in. As I'm, as I'm rejecting this ticket that I spent 45 minutes kind of wanting, another woman comes up and is like, hey, do you guys need an extra ticket? Someone that we didn't know. And like in the span of one minute, here are two tickets. Wow. And to make things even spookier, the, the second ticket that we got, the lady was like, yeah, I'm just paying it forward. And I'm like, I literally just said that 10 minutes ago. Like, <laughs> what? And so we get into this film festival. It was incredible. And then that moment, I just had this epiphany again. Yo, like you're doing what you need to do. And so when you're, again, going back to the framework, when you're making bold decisions, like give yourself your time frame, and then like take actionable steps to get there. Like it's not going to happen because you write it down. It's going to happen because you're going to write it down and then do what's needed of you. So like, cool, I want to lose weight. I'm also going to go to the gym. I'm also going to like change my diet. Like you need to put in the work to see the results that you want either in your life or in the lives that you want to impact. So in that moment, like I needed to be there. I was there and I was, I was affirmed like, yo, you're on the right path. Even though I still had zero idea how I was getting into LA, but what I knew at that moment in time was, all right, you're concerned about this contract that you're in and paying this money. Jalen, and this is me talking to me, Jalen, if someone said to you, you're going to be this award-winning director, producer, writer, you're going to impact so many lives, you're going to mentor so many people that want to be in film, you're going to do X, Y, and Z, you're going to do all these great things. All you need to do is pay the money that you'd be penalized if you were to break your contract. I guarantee you I would do it every single time. After that point, I was like, why? Like, if that's the only thing stopping me, then like, whatever, I'm going to pay this. And so that became my mindset. So I guess going back to the framework, give yourself the time frame, do what you need to do be willing to like put in the work and change your mindset. Like nothing should get in the way, like unless it's going to impact you, uh, impact your life. Like if it's a life or death situation, but if it's not that extreme, then like be aggressive about the goals that you make, like pursue them relentlessly. Um, and that's, that's kind of the mind frame that I was in. So that was August in September. Um, I now have three months to figure out how I was getting to LA. I had no idea, but I was like, you know what? I know I'm getting to LA with three options. I'm either going to, continue working where I'm working, 
get a new job elsewhere or just quit and figure it out when I get to LA. And at the time, I only had two options in my mind, either get a new job or quit and figure it out. So I had applied to all these jobs, never heard back from them. And like time was running out. So we're now nearing the end of September and I'm like, okay. Um, so it looks like you're about to just quit and figure it out because you're not going to get a new job. And I guess God intervened again the week. So I had planned to, to speak to my boss about uh, leaving the firm. And the week before, so the week before I spoke to her, I spoke to my boss the first Monday in October. So the last Monday in September, one of my boys calls me and he's like, yeah, what's going on? Like, I'm coming back to the firm. He had left the firm. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. I'm about to leave the firm. And he says to me, Jalen, if I can recommend anything, I would recommend that you stay and work in the LA office. And I'm like, no, for these reasons. Next day, there's a manager that I know and is like, oh, I'm hearing that you may want to pursue this thing. Like, have you ever thought about working in the LA office? And I'm like, no, for these <laughs> reasons. I kid you not, the, thir- the, the Wednesday, the next day, one of my friends, not affiliated with my firm at all, was like, hey, have you ever thought about working in the LA office? And I'm like, what is happening? And so at that point in time, I had to consider like, okay, maybe God is telling me that I should work in the LA office, I guess. But it wasn't going to be cut and dry. So I really had to prepare myself for that, that conversation. So going back to my story about being rejected by the PhD programs, when you're when you're in an opportunity to get something that you want, like you need to put in the, put in the work and really prepare and be ready for anything. And so for me, I was like, well, I know what I want to do and I know what I don't want to do. So I need to be transparent in that conversation. So when I spoke to my boss the following week, I had all intentions of just quitting because I had I didn't think that she or my firm is going to support my desire to be a filmmaker or a writer. Um, and my mom had issues with that because she was like, well, what are you going to do for work? And at the time, I was willing to risk it all and lose everything. Um, I was going to leave a very high paying job to potentially like be a Lyft or Uber driver or like be a, a grocery cashier, like whatever it was needed of me to make money, I was willing to do because again, that's how relentlessly I had planned to pursue my dreams. So like, oh, you need me to sweep up for money? Gotcha. You need me to take your garbage out? Gotcha. You need me to do like- But when did, I was but when did to- that, so I'm curious, when did that happen? So when did you get to from the point of that 10 months out? Oh, maybe I'm going to do the hopefully moonlight wins, but I, I know they're not. How did you go from that sort of in February to like, I will do anything? Was it these different experiences? How did that inflection point sort of occur where it was like, no, this has to happen. I'm going to do whatever it takes versus mm, let me throw mm, out mm. a random odds and variables that I know won't happen just to buy myself time. Yeah, I, I, good question because I left a part out of the story. So in October, um, as you mentioned earlier, I did a documentary on um, black mental health and I love that experience. I got so much life out of the experience. And like to give you context, I would not sleep some nights working on the project um, of making this documentary come to life. And in those moments, like I would feel most alive. And some people would be like, oh, that's weird. Wouldn't you be tired? Like, no, I was more tired, like going to my regular job than I was like staying up late to do what I wanted to do. And so I knew that like, okay, Jalen, you get, you get energy from this. Um, and that's when I knew like, all right, you are passionate about this. You love this. Like you need to do this. Like this is, this is it. Like there's no more figuring out like, what do I want to do when I grow up? Like this is it. And once I figured that out, I was like, okay, like you need to, and I, this may be extreme, but I was like, you need to do whatever it takes to get to this feeling consistently. If I can do this as a job, what? I wouldn't be working a day in my life because I would love what I do. Yeah. Um, so that documentary really opened my eyes to just like finding something that I, I love. Imagine if you, you're in the dating realm and you meet the partner of your dreams. Like, what? You best believe you're going to be courting them. You best believe you're going to be on your A game all the time. Like, you're going to do whatever it takes within like, your, your morals, your logic, your sanity, and your safety to like figure out a way to, to marry your life, ironically, marry your life to theirs and like really experience experience them in their in their, their fullness. Yeah. And that's how I felt about film, uh, especially after after the documentary, because 
the response that I got from the documentary, people were going to therapy. People were talking about their, their mental health, their mental illnesses. People were reaching out like, okay, how can I, like, it, it felt so good to make the impact and help people the way that I wanted to. And in a weird way, you were doing that in a way that you had the PhD would get you there. But like you were saying in your post as well, you sort of found a way to still act on that vision of helping people on a local and global scale, but just doing it in a yeah. nuanced way. So I feel like this is even more impact in a different path that you may have not seen for yourself when you were submitting exactly. those PhD applications. Exactly. And it was, it was enlightening. I was like, I need, I need to go to the next level because I, I felt limited in DC. I need to go to the next level. So for me, I was all right, like all roads lead to LA. You're going there. You're going there this year. And for me, I was like, look, by December 31st, 11.59 PM Eastern Standard Time, like you need to be on a, a train, a, a flight, uh, a car, a bus, a boat, whatever <laughs> mode of transportation yeah. toward LA. Like there is no, like, there is no, oh, you know, next year, like, no, it was going to be 2017 and no other option. And I, I don't, I don't recommend that for everyone. I mean, I'm very, I was very extreme with what I wanted to do, but like, I had to set that boundary for myself. And I did, and I was like, you know what? I, I'm picking a date, and I need to leave before this date. Like, before the year is up, I will be in Los Angeles, California. I don't know how. I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but I'm going to be there. And so I just bet on myself. I just bet on myself, and was so confident that no matter what happened, I was going to land on my feet. So when I had the conversation conversation with my boss, it was from the perspective of like, they're not going to support me. Like, you need to figure out how to sustain yourself and i wasn't in a position to be picky like oh i'm gonna like no i'm gonna do whatever it takes like you need me to oh you need me to to sweep roofs like i will i will gladly find a home and home and do that for money like yeah. I, again granted i would not do anything outside of like my, my morals my sanity uh anything that would make me uh and put me in danger but like i was ready to accept um positions that i've never worked in before and so when i spoke to my boss about what i wanted to do i was very transparent i couldn't go in there and be uh at least for myself personally secretive about what i wanted to do because i not only did I want to pursue film and writing and, and being in a creative space like Los Angeles, I also did like working where I worked. So what I thought was going to happen was when I explained what I wanted to do, my boss would have said to me, well, Jalen, it sounds like you want to be a filmmaker. Good luck. Like, your time here has ended. And I was fully prepared for that conversation because, again, it didn't matter what was going to happen out of the conversation. I was going to move to L.A. Um, so that was either going to be an extension of my time at the firm or my four weeks notice. Luckily, it was an extension of time. And, and my boss spoke to um, my honesty, my transparency, the work, the good work that I was already doing at my job, uh, and my ability to have a good reputation. So for those of you who are at a job looking to make a move, like it starts before you have the idea, like you have to have good rapport. You have to be doing a good job. Like you have to make sure your timing is correct. Like you have to give people a time box. For me, it was like my lease in DC was going to be up at the end of October. So I needed to know, like, look, I have until this time to make these decisions. Like, can you work with me or can you not work with me? Like, can we discuss options? And so we discussed options. Luckily, I, I was able to uh, work remotely in LA on a DC project through uh, February of 2018. And then from there, I, I would figure it out. And so uh, if you haven't heard throughout the whole story of my 2017, it's been a series of events where I've bet on myself, but I've prepared for these, these bets and I've doubled down. And so I've been rewarded every single time because when you find something that you're passionate about, like you, you make a way and you figure it out. Um, so from there... It was about, okay, cool, check, check, check. Now, how are you getting to LA? And so I ended up driving across the country to Los Angeles um, and I'm just starting my life here and it's been incredible. It has been incredible. And it's, it's, it's been a wild journey. Like this, this sounds like a movie and it's just been a testament of faith, um, prayer, hard work, preparation, and just like being genuine. Uh, obviously, do I want to be compensated for, for working in the future? Sure. Like, do I want to get awards? Sure. But like at the end of the day, for me, it's about that impact. And if I can learn how to, create better art and reach people on a more global scale like that to me would mean the world and it would give me life and that's kind of what i'm here to do that's a, that's really amazing and i think the point that you touch on is that 
it's not only enough to have that breakthrough, but when you move from the breakthrough to the organization phase, your problems aren't solved. Like when you say, oh, I want to do this, that doesn't mean it's going to miraculously happen overnight or you're not going to have any problems. And actually in your Facebook post, you actually talk about how you lost weeks of sleep during the journey. You cried yourself yep. to sleep sometimes. You risked relationships, doubted yourself, decided, thought you were going to take yourself out of the pursuit. You feared the pressure. Basically anything you could think of, you know, I experienced. And so that's sort of the biggest learning that I got from moving from the breakthrough to the organization is that the organization's just the start and you're going to have to still deal with the self-doubt and with questioning and, and taking risk and trying to figure out how you're going to make this breakthrough a solution that's going to make you better in the long run. But we have to also remember that's not going to be the easiest path or the smoothest path for people who think that having this idea means that you can immediately act on it with no hurdles. No, there are going to be some obstacles. Really love that you touched on that. But then another thing that I sort of noticed in your story was something that Oprah really talks about uh, in a, an interview with Jeff Weiner. He's the CEO of LinkedIn. And she basically talks about how you manifest your career goals, how you manifest the desires that you have for yourself. And her main story is based on, and I've shared this in a previous rant, but it was a story about her working uh, or growing up on a farm. And she was talking about how she wanted tomato soup. She just randomly said, you know, I really would like some tomato soup. And she was surprised that an hour later, her, name, her neighbor had come over to her with tomato soup. And Oprah sort of surprised as a child. She's like, oh my gosh, why did you bring me this tomato soup? And she said, well, I heard you talking about wanting tomato soup. I had some extra tomatoes on my farm. I thought it'd be easy to make it for you as I knew you wanted it. And Oprah sort of used the story to say, you know, if people don't know what you want, it's going to be very hard for them to help you get it. And it seems like in your story, you were, you were talking about how you had people who saw what you were trying to accomplish. They saw what you wanted and they tried to make a way for you, whether it's you waiting outside of the film festival trying to meet with Ava or you talking to your boss about this desire that you have for yourself. When people see what you want to accomplish, oftentimes they have the power and they see the energy and the dedication you're putting into it. They're going to help to make it happen. And I would love for you to share the example we were talking about prior to the episode when you were talking about the idea of having your hazard lights versus pushing a car. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah, that ties yeah. perfectly into to all of that. Yeah, as you were talking, I thought of another one because, like, <clears throat> it's so interesting to me how um, cliches are real and helpful. Um, so there's a popular cliche that closed mouths don't get fed. And it's so true. Like, if you want to be a lawyer or whatever it is you want to be in life, like, if no one knows, you're not helping yourself. Like, it's better that you, you be public about what you want to do because there is someone that wants to help you. And to the example that you, you just brought up in terms of the hazard lights, there's this um, anecdote where there's a gentleman whose car breaks down and he kind of puts on his hazard lights and he's standing outside of his car and he's kind of waving at the highway for help, like, help me, I need to get to the nearest whatever um, mechanic. And um, the cars continue to go by him. And so there's another scenario or another gentleman, same scenario, car breaks down, but instead of um, kind of waving at the, the traffic that's, that's driving on the highway, he puts his car in neutral and starts pushing it. And so as the drivers see this man pushing the car, they're like, oh, wait, like, here's a guy that, like, he needs help. He's already helping himself, but, like, if I help him just this much, like, he'll probably get to where he's headed too sooner. Yeah. And so that speaks to us in terms of, like, I don't care what you want to do. Like, you want to be, you want to be a catwalker? Like, I don't even know if those exist, but like, you want to be a catwalker, like one, talk about it, but then two, like put yourself in positions to show that like you're on the trajectory of wanting to be a catwalker. So like, for example, if I want to be a catwalker, best believe I'm going to be on my Instagram story, like walking a cat and someone's going to, someone, someone in America is going to be like, oh snap, you know what? Like I need snow puff to be walked too. Boom. <laughs> that, that, that becomes a client. And so if I was just kind of just like, yeah, I want to be a catwalker, but I wasn't putting in the work and showing people that I had a full intent of wanting to do so, like who's really going to support me? And so for me, it was like, yo, you, you want to be a filmmaker, right? Okay, you need to do short videos. You need to like put yourself in positions where people can be like, "All right, like I can get behind this cat." Like he, no pun intended. He like really is about. Like, <laughs> I love how you loop that theme. I'm like, he's keeping that cat theme alive. He's he's really about this. So I implore people listening. If you've made it this far, um, kudos to you. Um, 
close mouths do not get fed and make sure that you're helping yourself because when you start helping yourself, the universe will conspire to help you as well. And I, I don't have any facts. I don't have any numbers to back that up. But like you have my word that it may not happen within your time frame, but it will happen as you continue to help yourself. No, I love that. And I think that, so we talked about the breakthrough, um, having this epiphany. We've talked about organization, the ups and downs, the three different anecdotes of experiences from the tweet uh, with the Oscar saying, if Moonlight wins, I'll go to LA, the film festival, talking to your boss, realizing that things were working together to get you to that goal. Uh, so we saw how you begin to organize your thoughts. But this takes us nicely into the third aspect of the bold formula, which is leveraging different perspectives. And I think that when we think about leveraging different perspectives, I, I think about it in sort of three different buckets. The first is sort of yourself, so trusting your gut, leveraging your own feelings. The second area is leveraging family, friends, your personal board of directors, colleagues, those around you. The third bucket is focused on the spiritual realm, your faith, God, leveraging uh, whatever your, your faith or your spiritual leanings, whatever they are, that can help to lead you and direct your path. And so what was fascinating to me, and I would love to share this story, um, it was actually popular in 2012, and it was detailing Jim Carrey's rise throughout Hollywood. And so he did an interview with Oprah in 2012, Oprah and Jim Carrey, and Alex Santoso of Neotarma, or Neotorama, a, a blog, Alex basically covers Jim Carrey's rise. And he did something that I think is relevant to this rant and that I want to discuss with you uh, after I read the quote. Alex notes in the uh, blog post, in 1985, a broken, depressed Carrey drove his old beat-up Toyota up the hills of Hollywood. There, sitting overlooking Los Angeles, he daydreamed of success. To make himself feel better, Carrey wrote himself a check for $10 million for quote-unquote acting services rendered, post-dated it 10 years, and kept it in his wallet. The check remained there until it deteriorated, but Carrey eventually made it. He earned millions for movies like Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and Dumb and Dumber. When his father passed away in 1994, Carrey slipped the check in the casket to be buried. And so that story is sort of fascinating. It was very popular in 2012, and I see it come up my timeline on Facebook every uh, couple of months. But it basically talks about this power of visualizing, this power of sort of naming and claiming things and speaking them into existence. And this is what Jim Carrey did. He wrote himself a check for 10 years in advance for $10 million for acting services rendered. And he was able to meet that goal. And in that episode, they were talking about the power of visual visualization. And when I was looking at your blog post on Facebook, you had a picture of the tweet that we were talking about earlier in the episode. But what I also noticed is that you seem to have a passion planner or a journal of some sort. And one of the, the notes you wrote yourself in this journal was that 2017 will be a year of discomfort for you. Do not worry. Stay focused, faithful, and take it a day at a time, Jalen. I believe in us. Sincerely, you. And so <laughs> I, I, I love that. And I, I really appreciate you for sharing that because I know people are really big into blogging. And I know people don't really share uh, the things that they write down in their journals uh, because they're sort of the most personal feelings that you share. But I just felt with that Jim Carrey story and then looking at how you sort of wrote down this sort of in your journal. You have, you have another quote that, that I won't necessarily share on the episode where you're talking about you know, you're going to be a director, you're going to help people, you're going to be thriving in the film and, and media industry, you know, speaking those things into existence, or I should say writing them down, um, because in writing them down, you can get yourself closer to bringing them to fruition, you can get yourself closer to manifesting those goals. So I felt like that was a nice intro into that L, leveraging different perspectives, yourself, your friends, and the spiritual realm, and would love to hear how you did that as you were taking on this bold move from D.C. to L.A. Yeah. Um, so L is a big piece of it, right? Because cool, B, you, you have your breakthrough. Oh, you organize it, but like, you got to put it in action. You know what I mean? But And to do that, you need to leverage your different tools and perspectives. So whether that's yourself, your, your spirituality, your network, your, your whatever. For me, it happened to be um, grounded in faith. So I was definitely praying about this. Mm -hmm. And if you are a prayer, like make sure that you're very specific with your prayer, because why wouldn't you be like, be specific and be unrealistic. Like, 
do that. Uh, after that, it was just about writing it down. Um, so for those of you listening, I implore you in 2018, because and I can't tell you why. I don't know why. I just know this is the year for you creatives. You want to do something. This is the year. Write it down. And we talked about what to do after you write it down. Act on it. Like for me, writing. Uh, so I, the journal that you saw, I write a lot in. Um, I don't share what I write. Um, so the fact that I shared it, like, I don't, I don't know why I did it. I hope someone got something out of it. But I wanted to show people that this is something that I've been thinking about for a while. This is one of those things that I feel like in the future is going to be like, wow, like he wrote this X years ago. Like, yeah. And I, I also put in the work, but write down your goals. I don't know why, but there's something to be said about writing things down and, and then seeing those things out. People can vision board, people can do whatever they want to do. And I, I fully support those notions of doing so. Um, Cause at, like at the end of the day, I, I had to be okay with this myself. And I had to constantly remind myself like, this is, this is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. I think I've manifested that differently now. One of my friends got me a poster board of the Moonlight movie poster. And so like that now is serving as a reminder. Like, oh, remember last, remember in February 2017 when you said like you moved to LA if Moonlight won? Like, well, they won. Like, so in case you forgot why you're here, like you're here to make the impact that you originally did. So mm-hmm. whatever it takes for you to, to remind yourself of why you're doing something or to encourage yourself, I, I definitely recommend leverage those things. If it's a person, if it's a thing, if it's a memory, if it's a song, like use that because you need, you need any and all things you can get when you're going through these processes of um, making a bold decision move or, or choice in life. And did you ever get into trouble with leveraging perspectives that may have led you astray? I know when you were talking about the, the job stuff, I know you had colleagues or friends tell you not to leave with transparency. I could imagine as you were talking about this, a desire to move to LA that there was some pushback or some opinions that you may not, may have not agreed with. Did you ever come across any of that? And how did you deal with that type of advice that may have not been malicious with people really caring about your safety and wanting you to be okay and, and maybe erring on the side of being cautious and prudent versus taking risks where there's a lot of uncertainty yeah so a lot of the people that i spoke to were very risk averse um Jaylen, don't do it. you don't you don't have a job like don't do it don't do it and i'm like all right that's cool but like i'm trying to like really pursue this dream like i'm passionate about it and that goes back to relentlessly pursuing my dreams like and any any path or journey of something that as bold as what you're going to do with your life, there are going to be people that have your best interest in mind, but don't understand the full picture. And so those people may not be malicious, but they will kind of make you double, double or second guess yourself. Should I act? For me, it was like, yo, should I actually go to LA? Like, just, just stay in DC, bro. Or like, yo, like, why do you want to do like, and so doubt really crept into my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people that were like, oh, when you talk to the boss, like, don't be transparent. Like, uh, I don't, I don't know that life. I need to be transparent because I'm not trying to like pull one over on anybody. Like I want to be transparent. I want to be honest. I want that to, I, I have integrity. Uh, and not to say that those people don't have that, but for me, I was just like, okay, I took it with a grain of salt. I understand this perspective, but I also need to be bold in what I'm choosing to do. It's kind of like for those of you who watch basketball, you can imagine being Steve Kerr. So Steve Kerr is the the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. Most oh, of you're, people you're a West Coast fan know, now that you moved. Nah. <laughs> four months I'm in, you're West Coast fan. Uh, I'm trying to uh, ingratiate that into my 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 language and my talk. So uh, most people know that there's a player named Stephen Curry on the Golden State Warriors. So you can imagine, right? I'm Stephen Curry right now in this scenario. I'm three steps in from half court line, about to pull up. Now my coach, Steve Curry, is going to say, Steph, or in this case, Jalen, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's not wrong for doing that, right? Yeah. Because, like, the shot that I'm trying to take is well beyond my quote unquote, well beyond my range, but like sometimes you need to be confident in yourself, even if you don't have it. Like Steph prepared for that shot somewhat. He's put in a, a certain amount of work, but like there has to be that level of faith. And so as Stephen Curry, if and when that shot goes in, what is Steve Curry gonna do? He's gonna yell at Steph? No, that's three points. Steve's gonna be like, oh, well, like, okay, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And so for me, when my, when my quote unquote shot went in, 
all the noise like disappears. So like you're gonna hear noise. Sometimes you need to have that confidence in yourself to just shoot the shot anyway. And you should be shooting regardless. Like shoot or shoot. Like you can't you can't make a shot that you don't shoot. Just like the saying that we said before, like closed mouths do not get fed. So if I if I wasn't shooting the shots I needed to shoot to get myself to LA, I never would have made it to LA. You know why? Because I would have been I would have been hesitating. I would have been pump banking. I want to pass the ball. In the opportunities of 2017, it was all about shooting the ball and living with the consequence of the ball going in or not. And in my case, luckily, thank God, the ball went in more times than it didn't. Even in times where I saw the ball ball not going in, I was like, oh man, I'm failing. But like, that was just setting me up for a bigger comeback. Yeah, definitely. And so I think throughout this time, we've gone through the breakthrough. You had this epiphany, you want to get into film and media. You've been working on documentaries. You realized in doing that, something you loved, you went to the film festival, reaffirmed your love for it. You then begin to organize. I have 10 months from that tweet to get there. I have six months. I have three months. I now have to act. You talk to your boss. You talk to people around you. decide to act on that. And in doing that, you begin to leverage your own internal gut, You know, your journal to write and, and speak things into existence, leveraging the perspectives of family and friends and also God to help guide your direction. And so now we've gotten through the breakthrough. We've gotten through organization. We've gotten through leveraging different perspectives. And now it's time to sort of decide on the action and that's the D of that bold formula. How did it feel when you were in that car taking that cross-country trip, that five-day trip from D.C. to L.A.? And I would love to just end on understanding where you are now, how you envision 2018, and how you feel you're going to act on this. And in the process, just sharing some things that you've learned, some mistakes you've made, and, and where you see yourself going in 2018 and beyond. Yeah. Um, D, determining the course of action. I, I think the the drive from D.C. to L.A. was eye-opening. Um I did it by myself. So I was on the road with myself and I had a lot of time to think. And I'm like, yo, are you, are you taking note of like the year that you've been through? Because it's hard for someone that's in the process and, and for listeners listening, it's going to be the same for you. Like when you're doing things, you're not going to be realizing like all of what you're doing. So definitely um, take a moment to just like pat yourself on the back or just really reflect and say like, yo, I put this out into the universe. I, I executed on this and I'm doing it. Like be proud of that. Be proud of that. Even if you haven't like won or, or achieved necessarily that thing that you, you're working toward, like enjoy the different parts of the process. And I think that dives into what I've learned in being in LA so far. LA is incredible. Um, the weather is beautiful. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and um, I think for me, prior to moving, I think I was so set on like, I want to make this impact. I want to like, I want to be distributed globally. I want to win these awards. I want to like, I want to do projects with X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, yo, Jalen, like, that's not the way to think about this. And for me, it's like, Jalen, enjoy the journey. And, and again, going back to the cliches, right? Uh, what do they say from Wizard of Oz? Something about the yellow brick road. Like, it's about the yellow brick road. Like, don't worry. Don't focus so much on Oz. Like, focus on the journey toward that. And so I'm kind of, I'm learning and relearning the fact, like, okay, cool. You're kind of starting fresh. Like, in what ways can you be in the moment and be present and, like, work toward these goals while still, like, patting yourself on the back for, like, cool. Like, I moved to L.A. For, for a long time, I was, people were like, oh, I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, for what? And it was, it took me a while to figure out, like, yo, these people are really like taking in my, my process because I was so focused on the end goal that I forgot like, okay, all these things are happening. So definitely be present, definitely um, be in the moment, give yourself credit and definitely um, celebrate the small victories. So I'm definitely learning that. I think beyond that, for me, my approach in LA is less so, okay, what can you do for me? And more so like, look, you already know what it's like to move to a new city. And when you did that in DC, you didn't establish a community. So my, my thing right now has been establishing a community, leveraging like friends that I know and seeing who I can meet and making myself feel more at home. Mm -hmm. um, because that way, I feel like that'll give me some good push and momentum to create the way I want to create. And especially because I'm in a place right now where I'm like, 
how can I help you? Not so much what you can do for me, because I feel like those relationships will build and grow organically. And um, Issa Rae has been, has been quoted to talk about networking laterally, and that's what I want to do. I really want to rise with people, put people on, uh, and that's going to take some time and, and take some uh, humility and a humble approach to working with others. And, and if that means pressing pause, not stop, pause on my current dream to help somebody else go up so that we can go up together, like I'm not opposed to that. So I've learned a lot of patience, uh, but also diligence. And then I spoke about urgency before. So this year is very special. I, I see myself directing a lot of shorts. I feel I feel like I have the momentum and the energy and the, the, the space and capability of submitting to a film festival, getting accepted, winning, meeting more people, finding mentorship, yeah. creating impact. Um, I feel like this is like my year creatively. Uh, and it's only what, today's the sixth? Like there's so much year to go. And in the same book that you saw me write those letters to myself, I've written letters for 2018 that are very specific to what I plan to do. And it's all about execution. So um, for those listening and for you, Paul, stay tuned. There's a lot coming out this year. Um, I have a lot of plans I have for myself and I'm excited to see it happen and manifest itself. And we're, and we're excited to watch that too, that, that bold movement you were, you were mentioning. I am so happy to have you on and I would love to just get a sense of where we can find this content when you, Think about what you're going to push out in the future. How can listeners stay up to date on on that? I know you have a video on Vimeo. Yeah, so um, that's actually one of the things I wrote down in my book in terms of finding a home for these videos. I mean, at the moment, I definitely post on my socials. It's the same for everything. So it's at Jalen, J-A-L-E-N, Blot, B-L-O-T. So the handle is at Jalen Blot uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. It's just my full name, Jalen Blot. And that's where people or listeners can find um, future links. Uh, as I kind of grow and develop my my reel, you'll see a website on those socials as well. Mm-hmm. So that's a great place to follow me. I'm very engaging with my audience. Uh, and most of the time, pull them like, hey, I'm working on this idea. Like, what do you guys think of this? And kind of like take a, a holistic approach to what I want my viewers to see because it's also about them. It's not just about me. Definitely. And I'll commit to once you get those things up on the road, adding that to the bottom of this episode so that when people interact with this, not only on this upcoming Sunday, but throughout the year, they'll know where to find your information. But this is really a special ramp for me. It's the 29th official episode. And it's so special because on January 8th, it'll mark the year anniversary of the Riley rant. And I guess to conclude this episode, I just want to share two quotes that I shared this time last year, just describing my desire to get into podcasting, my desire to launch the Riley rant. And I think it's so um, similar to what you were talking about towards the end of this episode about not being afraid, being fearless, going after what you want. The first quote was by Les Brown, a motivational speaker. He notes, the graveyard is the richest place on earth because it is there you will find all the hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled, the books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the inventions that were never shared, the cures that were never discovered, all because someone was too afraid to take that first step, keep with the problem, or determined to carry out their dream. And so I love that quote because it talks about how You cannot take your dreams to the grave. And I love that you decided to make a decision for yourself that this was going to be the year, that 2017 was going to be the year that you took your bold move and that you were not going to settle with having this dream go with you to the grave. And I think you've already begun to see how your work has impacted people from your documentary, Let's Talk About It, discussing mental health to your blog posts. People are feeling the impacts of your work and are being influenced by that. And just imagine how many more people may have not gone to therapy or may have not really acted on their dreams yep. had they not heard about the work that you were doing, the bold move you took, or even this episode that you participated in today. But then the last quote was one that I also shared in my very first episode, and it's by Mark Twain, and he notes, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bowlines, sail away from safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover. And so I think those two quotes sort of encapsulate what compelled me to start the Riley Rant 
And I think it also encapsulates a lot of what you were talking about in your bold move to L.A. And so I'm really grateful to have had you on the show. I'm glad you're not taking your dreams to the grave. And I'm glad that you're acting now and realizing that 20, 30 years from now, you'll hopefully have no regrets if you, as you've acted on those passions and those dreams and those desires that you have for yourself. So thank you so much for coming on The Riley Rant. Thank you so much for thank being you. an inspiration. I appreciate that, man. And for those of you listening, remember, if it's Sunday, it's time to rant. If it's Sunday, it's The Riley Rant.